0: Let us look to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we magnify and we glorify you, Lord God. For you are also a mighty God. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the beginning and the end, Lord God you are all that is in between Lord and for that we love you Lord God it's for that reason that we stand here on today Lord God able to offer a word of praise Lord God because of who you are Lord God so right now As the King of kings and the Lord of lords, God, we pray that you will speak to our hearts, Lord. Touch us by your word, Lord God. Let your word come forth, Lord God, in a way that is only pleasing to you, Lord God, that it's only coming from you, Lord God. I pray that every heart is opened. To receive, Lord God. I pray against every demonic force and every spirit that will come to send a distraction this morning, Lord God. To be uh, a deterrent, Lord God, from each and every one of us hearing your word, Lord God. So we cast aside our thoughts of later on, Lord God, or our thoughts of even before we've been into this place, Lord God. And I pray that you will bring us into... A place, Lord God, that is protected by you right now to just hear your word and that is anointed by you, Lord God. That we block out everything that may be a distraction, Lord God. And receive fully, Lord God, that our lives can be endowed with power from on high, Lord God, that our lives today, Lord God, can be empowered with change, Lord God, that thing, rearrangement can come forth, Lord God, that something can be spoken today, Lord God, that we receive that will not allow us to ever be the same, Lord God, but that we will move forth on this journey called life, Lord God, in a place of full surrender and sacrifice unto you, Lord God, that you may have your way, Lord God, in our lives completely. Not that we present you anything, Lord God, but that you have everything of us, Lord God. And in that, that you present it to yourself, Lord God, because that would—that that is what would be faultless unto you and before you, Lord God. So Lord, we need you to get out of ourselves, Lord God. We need you. In order to get out of ourselves. So we pray in Jesus' name right now, Lord God, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And all this in agreement, say amen, amen, and amen. Glory be to God. If you will, this morning, the Spirit of God is just leading to um, continue in some way on the words that he began to speak on last week. So if you will turn your Bibles to Revelations chapter 2. It's where we're going to start at. There's many scriptures to this is what God is wanting to speak to our hearts. So this is part two of the message what God has blessed what God has blessed. This is part two of the message of what God has blessed. Amen. So just as you turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter two, um, just a quick review of some things that God began to speak to us on last week. And it starts by uh, understanding that what God has blessed, that no man can curse. What God has blessed, that no man can curse. This is good news, my friends. Yes. He's wanting to share some good news with us on today because many of us may be going th- through things in our life, have been uh maybe even generational stuff that we think uh in uh in some way, shape, fashion, or form, but God is here to tell you today and to encourage each and every one of us. That that which God has blessed, come on somebody. That no man, somebody say no man. no man, no man can curse. Glory be to God. Now I don't mean that uh, Satan and, and and many men may want to curse that which God has blessed, but it is impossible, my friend. Glory be to God, and it's impossible because of the plan of God, and He wants to impart some uh, some real inspiration and knowledge. Into each and every one of us on today So as we receive his word Then It's going to set out His word is going to accomplish that What it set out to to accomplish It will not return to him void my friend So On last week we see uh, God spoke to us about The story uh, That comes out of Numbers Chapter 22, 23, 24 And all the way into 25 And that was on the story of King uh, Balak and him calling on the prophet Balaam to uh, to curse the children, God's people, to curse the children of Israel, God's people, as we know the story that God had brought them out of Egypt and they had settled uh, at some point uh, through their journey, they had came to the east side of the Jordan and they had settled in the uh, right next to the Moabites in the land of uh next to the land of moab and the king of moab king bala he became balak became concerned and he wanted to uh take out the people of god because it was so many of them glory be to god and we already know the story is god has already told promised abraham and he had blessed abraham that your your seed would be what there's the sand of the seeds Glory be to God, that he was going to bless them and that his people were growing so so numerous of numbers and here it is as Moses has led the people out of Egypt and they are headed to where? To the land of Canaan, to the promised land and on that massive journey and it was a, we know the story of the journey, it was a long one, it was one that was drawn out, it was one that God continued to manifest himself in so many different ways in there but King Balak calls on this quote-unquote prophet named Balaam and he uh, promised him all kinds of money uh, to come and to curse the people of God. To curse the people of God. And you have people here, my friend, that even is living in the time that we're living in now, there's men that want to curse the people of God. Or curse the things of God don't let us not be naive my friend and this is one of the reasons that, as he's gonna to speak to us in the second part of why it's really important to us to live the life the way that God has called us to live this thing out and to begin to walk in the way that God has uh, called us to walk uh, for the period of time that God is orchestrating right here right now amen come on somebody in there, so we know the story as as you heard the story, and if you haven't, I'll write these uh, passages of scriptures down. It will serve well to go and read the story yourself in Numbers chapter 22, 23, 24, and 25. So as a uh, the king calls Balaam, this well-known prophet, which we talked about that last week as well more than a prophet he was a diviner also known as a soothsayer as the the word of god later refers to him we'll see that in there so here he calls on balaam and balaam comes to curse the the children of god but what what comes out of his mouth is not a curse that he was paid to do what comes out of his mouth was what Somebody said a blessing. Somebody say, blessed. See, that's what happens. And see, when God is in control, in which he is, when those that are sent to curse you will ask you what's going to come out of their mouth is going to be a blessing. Come on, somebody. We can give God some praise right there, right now. If somebody needs to be encouraged today, because or you have enemies, you have the enemy at work against the children of God. Right now, we have the work of the enemy uh, that is sent out against us, you and me, my friend, that is sent to curse you. But glory be to God. The good news is today that when they come out to curse you, then God is just like uh, the Spirit of God is going to come on the false prophet and what when, when he's going to speak is not a curse, it's going to be a blessing, my friend. Glory be to God. And so uh, Balaam uh, went out the first time in the direction of Balak the king to, to curse the children of Israel and, and what came out of his mouth was a blessing and of course the king was mad at this point you didn't, you didn't curse the people and his old intentions that he knew that he, he needed the people to be cursed because if he could not curse the people that he knew that the numbers was too big and that they would destroy him and that's what he was afraid of and so the first time he goes out to, uh, to curse the people a blessing comes out king is mad and the king said no I can't give up here so come here boy I'm going to take you up to another place and I'm going to show you half of the people and this time don't don't come back with that mess I need you to curse the people and so Balaam goes and he does his thing he pulls out his oracle and then the second time guess what happens when he opens his mouth to curse the people a blessing comes out (laughs) the third time same thing. He goes and he opens his mouth to curse the people and a blessing comes out, my friend. Even to the fourth time. Balaam, I mean, the king was so desperate to curse the people that he didn't stop after one time. He didn't stop after two times. He didn't stop after three times even. He, he, he went on even to the fourth time to curse the people of God. And this is how, come on, I hope this is speaking to somebody's heart even right now, because see, the enemy is not giving up on cursing your life, That's right. or destroying your life, or sending something out to, to to curse your life, but understand this, that every time he, he, he comes out to curse you, that God... Just like he says in in the book of Romans That for those that love him He is doing what? He is working out to their good He said I'm working all things to the good To those who love me Who are the called according to my purpose See and this is the reason why it's important That we are walking the right way In the purposes of God Because for those that are the called According to the purpose of God Then glory be to God Even when they try to curse you It's going to turn out for a blessing for you
1: Hallelujah
0: Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. This is awesome. So, and it's good news, my friend. And so here we see in Revelations chapter 2, now Jesus is speaking to the church of Pergamos By the writing of uh, John in chapter 2 verse 14, Revelation chapter 2 verse 14, you see in chapter, in verse 12, he says that, yo know, he was writing to the angel of the church, of Pergamos. And then he goes on to say that uh, in verse 14, but I have a few things against you. And before I even say that, uh, in verse, backing up to verse 13, he, here, understand the church of Pergamos. This is key today as God bridges us. Uh, and continues us into this message of what God has blessed that no man can curse. Understand the Church of Pergamos. This this Church of Pergamos was a church that was uh, love the Lord. And not only did they love the Lord, this was a church that had walked uh, that believed in the Word of God. And not only did they believe it, they walked it. Amen. Understand this. The word pergamus means to marry. Keep that in mind. I just want you to, to, to hold on to that. Because that's going to be significant in what God is showing us. So what is it that Jesus had against the church? Uh knowing with, with the understanding that, hey, this was a, a church that believed in God. They believed the truth. And not only believed the truth, then they was walking in it. So what could Jesus have against the church? Look at 14, it says, but I have a few things against you, because you have, there are those who hold the doctrine of Balaam. Uh-oh. He says, I have a few things against you, because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam. There's that Balaam. Who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things, sacrifice, and to commit sexual immorality. The thing that he had against the church of Pergamos is not that they didn't believe in him, that not that they didn't even walk in the faith, uh, or follow the faith that they believed in, but the problem is is that they had with them, somebody say with them. Those that hold or held the doctrine of Balaam. What is the doctrine of Balaam? I talked to you on this last week. Understand this, and you may want to write this down. The doctrine of Balaam is this. If you cannot curse him, corrupt it. If you cannot curse him, corrupt it. Because see, as the story goes we uh, with Balaam and King Balak, what ended up happening is, is that after the fourth time that Balaam tried to curse the children of Israel, and it didn't work, it came out of blessing. The Bible says in, in, in Numbers there, in uh, the end of chapter 24, it says that then that Bala, uh, went, Balaam, I'm sorry, went back to where he came from. He went his own way, and, and, and King Balak was so mad in there that he went back to his land. They departed and separated from one another. but when you look in, in Joshua and you and, and we can look here in, in revelations and, and, and also we're going to go to first Peter chapter two or second Peter chapter two then what we end up finding out is that even though they parted at that time. That somewhere along the line, Balaam was was so mad that he he couldn't accomplish what he needed to accomplish because for him it was about that money. He was about to get paid something that was astronomical, glory be to God. And it ain't no different than now. We have false prophets that are operating in the world today and it's all about the greed, my friend. They, they, they want to tell the people what they need to tell the people in order for them to line in their pockets, glory be to God. So Balaam at some point, and we know this because what we know uh, by the word of God is that ultimately when Israel, God sent Israel to go ahead and wipe out the Moabites. What happened? I ain't going to tell you. Let's back back up for just a second. But I am going to tell you this. Is that somehow, or some, or some time in between in the time that Bala, Balaam left Balak, that somehow or sometime in between there, Balaam then went home and he didn't figure out. I'm out, it out. Glory be to God. Yeah, he didn't figure out something. He didn't, he didn't thought about it. He's mad. He he's frustrated. He, uh, I got to figure out some kind of way to be able to get my money. Glory be to God. So at some point he must return to, to, to King Balak, and he begins to, to uh, teach, tell him and, 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 and show him that you know what, we can't curse these people. But guess what, I came up with a plan. What we can do is corrupt the people. We can seduce them and this is exactly what happened uh, as we read in the book of Joshua and then we read later on in the book of Numbers. Matter of fact, let's go there just for a second. Hallelujah. Amen. Numbers 31. Yeah. This is the, the, Satan hasn't changed. who he is and how he operates. verse 8. This is what it says and we're going to backtrack a little bit here. It says they killed the kings of Midian with the rest of those who were killed. Numbers 31. Verse 8. Everybody there? what happened, we're going to backtrack a little bit in here though so the children of Israel at some point got released to go ahead and wage war on the Midians and the Moabites and here in Numbers 31 verse 8, it speaks of that, this is what happened, remember what I told you, I ain't going to tell you yet, we're going to tell you now, what happened is this that the children of Israel, when they were released by the uh, by the Lord, Moses began to speak to them, and what he actually told them for them he put he called for one thousand soldiers from each tribe. How many tribes was it? Twelve tribes, right? So he he put together an army of one thousand from each tribe, which was twelve thousand men, to attack uh, the Midians. And in verse 8, he says, they killed the kings of Midian with the rest of those who were killed were Eva, Rechem, Zer, Her, and Reba, the five kings of Midian. And look at here, he says. and this is all of a sudden we see, and this is sometime later, right? Balaam, the son of Beor, they also killed with the sword. So this is how we know that sometime from the time that Balaam and Balak had split, oh, here it is, some time go by, and Balaam is right back over there in the camp with these people. He had left, and wasn't even, uh, if you flip back to verse 20, go to 25 of Numbers 25, actually 24, in verse 25, And this was after the one, two, three, and fourth time that uh, Balaam now was trying to curse the children of Israel. Look at verse 25 this is what happened and so in verse 25 it says of, of chapter 24 it says so Balaam rose and departed and returned to his place. Balak also went his way. See this is when they first separated after the four times that they tried to curse the children and it didn't work. But here, five chapters later, somewhere in between that time, Balaam came back to Balaam and knocked on the door and said, Hey, my friend, I think I came up with something. And this is what the new uh, covenant, this is what under the covenant we live in now, that is even today still referred to as the doctrine of Balaam. I'm painting this picture, my friend, so we can understand that there is a doctrine uh, that 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 was set forth in and that it's still at work today. And the doctrine of Balaam, again, is that if we cannot curse him, let us corrupt it. And so as you read the story from chapters 25 to 26 in the, the book of Numbers, then what you see is that ultimately the, the, the doctrine of Balaam becoming at work because what the children of Israel began to do is they began to just what revelations is talking about they began to eat things sacrificed to idols they began to commit sexual immoralities with the people of moabites and see god has already told them do not be uh, mixing don't be sleeping with no other nations. when you go in to take these people you take them out don't leave nothing in there and they began to, because they was right next to them, dwelling with them, they began to eat of the of things that were sacrificed to idols. Hear here what I'm saying. They began to commingle. They began to marry. See, remember that word marriage, uh Pergamus means to marry. So they began to mean, just what he says, what Jesus said that he had against the churches, that You have those there that hold the doctrine of Balaam. So you have in the midst of you, and you are right with it, even though you follow me, no problem. But in the midst of you, and you know it, you have those that is totally against me, and those that are are there to seduce you and, and, and to corrupt you. Glory be to God. Does this sound familiar, my friend? This is still that operation even unto death, that what's happening in the church that we, and and, and see, and this is the reason why it's so important, my friend, we can't be uh, lukewarm Christians, which is the next church that he talked about. We cannot be that church because we have to be able to stand in the ways, in the right ways of of the things of God. It is so important today that we cannot be, just like what Romans chapter 8 is talking about, um, excuse me, Romans chapter 12, that we cannot be, we have to be diligent and not lagging in diligence, glory be to God. Not not up. go. To, let's go to Romans chapter 12, glory be to God. As, as he encouraged them and he's encouraging us as well today. This is a serious thing, my friend. We, come on, somebody say we. <laughs> Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Hallelujah. My God. It says, in verse, actually, we'll back up to verse 10. It says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honoring, in honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. This is the time that we, we can't be mediocre Christians, my friend. It ain't no time for that for the church We are in a war My friend and it's a real one You know maybe there was a period of time That uh, that, that all of that stuff Could be gotten away with it but we live in a time Now as time draws uh, closer and closer That we can't, can, no, can No longer continue to live for ourselves. but we have to begin to Really do exactly what verse 12 uh, Chapter 12 is talking about Is to, to live a life that is Poured out unto God Hallelujah. But at the beginning of Romans chapter 12 is talking about living a, a life sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Which is no more than a life sacrifice. Excuse me. Let me see. A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God is a life. A life. Somebody say life. I ain't say life. I say life. L-I-F-E, it's a life that is sacrificed unto God so they ain't a part of it, it's not sometimes, it's a life that's giving over to the work of the Lord serving the Lord and this is where we are as a church this is what's before us because some of you know this or have seen it or can clearly see that we're living in a time that so those false prophets like Balaam they, they, they live in a life that is poured out for what they do That's right. They're not halfway or half stepping in what they're doing my friend And it's gonna take the true, the children of Israel. It's gonna take the children of God. It's gonna take us yeah. 91. Hallelujah 91. That we have to be poured out that we have a life sacrifice Unto God And this life sacrifice ain't about all about what you can accomplish it's all about what he can accomplish through us and we and I understand that we were talking about this in Sunday school today I get it my friend in, in the in see, and, and not only do I get it but or but the thing about it is the doctrine of Balaam, which is the set out by Satan the enemy himself in there he gets it And see, what what is happening is, so you can understand why this doctrine of Balaam is so important, is because it's not sent to curse the church, it's sent to corrupt the church. And how does he does it? He does it through seduction. Seducing us into, you know, uh, idols, the worshipping of idols. So you, we could clearly understand what the worshiping of idols were for the children of Israel because they were physical idols and, and stuff that was being carved and built. But what is our idols today, my friend, that ain't being carved into some engraving image, but it's being carved in our minds. It's being carved in our thoughts. It's being carved in our hearts even that is set for the same reason. This is even more dangerous than that, that little uh, statue, my friend. Because it's one that is so subtle and so deceptive it comes in the form of bitterness it comes in the form of hatred it comes in the form of jealousy envy and strife my friend in the body of Christ subtly because in the biggest distraction again it's the same thing that, that Jesus said that the thing that he didn't have against the church is because they believed in him and not only did they believe in him they followed him they followed in what they believed. See, and that's I—that's—that's that's where our distraction is, my friend, is because, see, the idol, we don't pay attention to it. Because why? Because we believe. Because I believe, and I know that I believe. But Jesus didn't have the fact that whether they believed or not against him. That ain't what he has against us, my friend. That's not the problem. The problem here is that we are opening ourselves because we live in a time that inclusion is okay. We live in a time that not only is it okay, inclusion is mandatory even in the church, my friend. Come on, somebody. The spirit of of, of tolerance. See, it's subtle, my friend, but it's in. It, it wants to hang around. It wants to be close. It wants to be in the midst. It wants to be. What did he say? He says the problem that I have with you is because you have there because it wants to be there amongst you. Come on, come on. See, Jesus said, did you, "I don't want it there." And the reason why he didn't want it there because he already knows that if it's there guess what it's it, it, we susceptible to it it's just like uh, the the flu in the air if if, if you around it then you if you become susceptible to it i don't care how many vaccines or how big how you think you protect it how many masks you put on. if it's in if it's there you're susceptible to it and, and he said i'd not be there It's time for the church to clean. We need to clean that stuff up out of here. Glory be to God. And the way that we're going to clean it up out of here is to stand in the right ways of the Lord. Hallelujah. It says here in the commentary that the believers in Pergamus were devoted to the truth and even willing to die for it. But they were also guilty of compromising with those in the church who contradicted the ethical implications the very gospel that they followed they was willing to compromise with the ones that was in contrary to the very gospel that they believed in how could this be this is that's, you're talking about unequally yoked it ought not be and you can see see God is speaking to you not so much that you that, that this is just our problem of those of us here today. But God is, is, is important is So, because we can see it. And it's so prevalent, and, it, and, and, and it's going to be even more prevalent moving forward, and it's going to take some some intercessors. It's going to take some of us, just like what uh, Romans chapter 12 said, that somebody that is fervent in spirit. Ah serving the Lord. We're going to have to be praying against these spirits, my friend, because it is wide open in, 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 in here today. Look what it says again. It says those who were contrary, uh, excuse me, they contradicted, they contradicted somebody hear me, the ethical implications. Does that sound familiar? Includes tolerance, yes. ethical yes. implications yes. that was contrary To the very gospel that they follow. See we follow a gospel that that, is it's one way But the spirit of Corruption Is sent not to uh, We can't they just can't curse it and come up against it. So what they want to do is just be able to come and sit aside by it We even to come and try to just curse it and kick it out because we already know that that ain't gonna work But if we could just allow them just to suddenly creep up beside them and have a seat next to them for a little while, maybe even undetected, glory be to God. This is what's happening in real time, my friend. And if we don't understand this, you know, we can be out here talking you know, and God can, you know, and we can be out here preaching a whole bunch of other monkey business, you know, about what we can get and how, what we're supposed to have because we are children of God. God is speaking the truth to us today. It's more than that. We can't be sidetracked with all of that foolishness right now. There ain't no doubt that God, if we God's children, then he's the, he, he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. It's all his. So it ain't no end to our blessings. But what, but what the problem is, if we get caught up in the blessing, then we ain't even thinking about what the real reality is. Fighting in the spirit. Running, uh, waging the war that God is, is see, we won't be ready. When, when God told, just like God told the, the children of Moses, he said, I want you to get ten, a thousand from each tribe so we can go wage war against Moab. See, what's happening now, if we ain't ready, we ain't gonna be able to gather the thousand to wage war. Because we gonna be sitting back because we looking at the blessing. We ain't ready for no war. War? What are you talking about, God? We looking for the blessing. No, you you gave you already gave us one. So I know it's some more coming. We know that you got all the blessings. You know it's about the blessing. It's about the blessing. See, we in, in, in no gear, no training for the war. And my friends, we are at a time right now that the church is being attacked. The body of Christ is being attacked on every side. And the thing, the problem is, is that we can't see the tap because no, it ain't coming as a curse. It ain't coming pointing fingers in your face, no, it's coming side by side to you, pat you on, the, on, on your back. Yes, yeah. It's a pat on the back. It's one to say, oh, I'm, yo, I'm like you. It's gonna be alright. We can talk about it. Let's negotiate. You know we supposed to be include, included included? You, you know you're supposed to have some tolerance. It will even turn the word of God on you. You know that's what the, what you say love is, right? It's to tolerate. Preach the truth. Turn to 2 Peter. <clears throat> Thank you. Second Peter chapter uh, fifteen. Chapter. I'm sorry. Second Peter chapter two, yes. verses fifteen. The second Peter chapter two. As you get there, you know it's speaking. Peter is really, his heart has been touched by God and he begins to, God through him pours out some information on the time that we're living in and how false prophets is going to come. Keep in mind that if you understand here this false prophets that he is talking about. First of all, let me explain something to you. And you've heard me say this before. There's more. There's two forms of false prophets. Understand this. The first one is easily identifiable. That's, that's the false prophet. That's the prophet that is, is, is speaking a lie. Jesus ain't the son of God. Jesus didn't die on the cross. Just speaking blatant lies. And then, so that's the one that is easily identifiable because it don't add up to what we know to be true. But the second false prophet is not one that speaks lies or non-truths. It's one that speaks truth with the wrong motivation. It's the one that 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 Matthew chapter seven is talking about when Jesus when when the false prophet. Uh, comes before on judgment day comes before the Lord and he says did not not prophesy in your name Not in the name of Buddha not in the name of, uh, of Joseph Smith, but I prophesied in the name of Jesus Did not did, did not not prophesy your name did not not cast out demons in your name Jesus Did not not do many wonderful works in your name and Jesus says to him the false prophet depart from me You workers of iniquity, I never knew you. And why? Because if we read the verses before, uh, chapter 7, 21 in Matthew, um, before that he talked about, here's a sheep, uh, a wolf in sheep clothing. So he came in with the wrong motivation, but he had the right message. That's how he was able to get in the door. He knew the password, my friend. He looked like me and you, but his, game, his motive was, was one that, that, that was clear, uh, clearly manifested down the road somewhere that he didn't have the right motivation. It was for greed. It was for selfishness. It was for self-promotion. It was not for the glory of God. It's the one that Paul wrote to Timothy about and said that they'll creep into houses of gullible women. Y'all in there. And it's all about the money. They learn for the money. Ultimately, it may sound good and it's a big program and it's going to help a lot of people, but their motivation, even in the few that it helped or the many that it helped, is for them to line their pockets. So they look like you and me, they dress like you and me, they they, they sound like you and me, and they would be hard to distinguish without the Spirit of the Living God. they only reveal by the Spirit of the Living God, my friends. And so here in 2 Peter, this is what uh, God was revealing to the people as he wrote the letter and telling them the the difference in these false prophets. And so look at verse 15. He says, they have forsaken the right way and gone astray. Because many of these false prophets started out on the right path. That's how they know the word. Not all of them. Come on, Balaam. See, Balaam, when he first started out, he didn't start out without on the wrong wall, but, the, but the, the, the the money, the notoriety, the greed, and all of these things along the journey, my friend, end up turning them over. And just like here, he describes here, he says, they have forsaken the right way and gone astray. That means that for some reason, for, for at some point, they knew the right way. In order for them to go astray from it, they have to be on it, right? He says, following the ways of who? Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages, come on somebody, of unrighteousness. The wages of unrighteousness. See, false teachers describe them their real, disguise their real motivations, but eventually their corruption shows. It's just like Balaam. In Numbers chapter 22 to 24, they are characterized by blasphemous words wandering eyes and greedy hearts they got a motivation for being there greedy wandering eyes if you watch them you'll see them blaspheming words at times you'll hear it we have to listen closely because they have so many uh charismatic words that is coming forth my friends the doctrine of Balaam is the most dangerous attack against the, the church. As a matter of fact, in Romans, uh, I mean, Revelation, he goes on to say not only the, 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 the uh, doctrine of Balaam, but the doctrine of the Neolaitis, which is a similar doctrine that was a seducing doctrine. It was a seducing spirit. They used seducing spirits to lure the children of Israel into idolatry and sexual immorality. Which was an abomination to God. That's the children of Israel in the same spirits of Balaam, the doctrine of Balaam and the Neleites. It's the same spirit that worked now to lure the children, the people of God, into what? Into sexual immorality. Okay, that's right. Into idol worshiping. See, it ain't the engraved image, but the idol worshipping now is, is self. See, and, and, and I've never heard so much in the church now about self and, and self promotion. And what about me? What about me? And what 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 God is supposed to do for me now that I'm a child of God is it, even preached that now what God is going to do for you first and foremost and above all things. Not what God wants to do through you now that you're a child of God. That's secondary, and you know secondary we never get to because we're still on first base. This is a serious thing that God wants to talk to us about. And it cannot be so first and foremost in any of us. Let's own. And it starts with all of us. So what is you saying, Pastor John? What God is saying to us now is that we have to check ourselves, my friend, above all things. Because this idolatry is so subtle. The spirit, the the, the doctrine of Balaam that's at work, and the the spirit of uh, the Nicolaitans that is at work against the church right now, this stuff is so subtle. It's never going to challenge you believing in God. But what it's gonna do is though it's going it, it wants to oversee your belief because he needs you to hold on to the fact that you believe because that's the thing that aids you and blinds you. But while he slips in a, a Mickey in, in in your drink, and the Mickey is is that no it's oh no, now that you believe it's okay to have a little uh, idolatry. It's okay to think something about yourself. It's okay to know that you, that you, you should something have something for yourself. That God is supposed to do this. Don't you know that God is supposed to do that? Ain't God going to do something for you? He just wants to slip a little Mickey on you to to promote self. Which leads to a full-blown age of idolatry. Idolize something other than God. Let me explain something to you, my friends. When you come into the presence of the almighty God, when we come into the presence of the almighty God, can you imagine what the presence of God is? Some of us have an idea, even right now because some of us spend some time praying in in, in that secret place that we experienced a little bit of the presence of God. And if you've ever been in that place in your life, or experienced it even at one time, one of the things that you'll know that is is is, is dominating about the presence of God that the present when you come into the presence of God, self dies. That in the presence of God, the only thing that's uh that's, that's elevated, the only thing that matters, that the only thing that that has any significance is God. Reason why the Bible says that no flesh will glory in his presence. No flesh can't even come in the presence. It will burn up because flesh in the presence of God means that that, that means that flesh can, can dwell in the presence of God. It is isn't possible. impossible. impossible. Oh. See, in the presence of God, it's only about God. That's it. That's it. And you ain't gonna have no problem with it because when you see him and in that presence, you ain't got no problem with it. The Lord is only about you. You because you lose you. Yes, is, exactly. hallelujah hallelujah see and this, uh, this idolatry is come to promote yourself in the presence of God which is impossible truly but it's an illusion that, 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 that this idolatry is set to do it's to think that somehow that we can have some form of, of glory in the presence of God so this idolatry is so crafty man it comes in all kinds of forms, lust, it comes in uh, self promotion, lust of the flesh, it comes in the form of pride, it comes in a lying spirit, it comes in a deceitful or haughty spirit, it comes in us thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to. That's you see, and when you see that 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 spirit will 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 linger right there, and, and lead us to think that it's okay because we are we believe in God, we'll die for this. So for me to have a little uh, you know self glory, oh, what is that? That's nothing. See. For me to have a, a, a little bit of wanting God, God, will you know, you, you, uh, you know, a little bit about me. See, that's so why it's so very important for us to understand the presence of God. In the presence of God, no glory, can, uh, you know, no flesh can glory in his presence. No flesh can even dwell in his presence. No flesh can dwell in the presence of God. So in the presence of God, then we die and and it's all about him. And again, just like I said a minute ago, that you don't have no problem. Because when you see who God is, when you are in the presence of God, then we don't want no part of self. We want all of you. But the spirit or the doctrine of Balaam is trying to convince us that somehow the two can coexist. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray and followed the ways of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Flip your pages a couple to the right going towards uh, Jude or towards Revelation. Jude is the one-chapter book. One-chapter book right before Revelation. the book right before Revelation verse 11 verse 11 says woe to them for they have gone in the way of Cain greedily in the era of Balaam for profit and perished in the rebel of Korah. What is he talking about? Back up to verse 5. Back up to verse 5. In verse five, says this, but I wanted to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe, and the angel who did not keep their, and the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reversed in everlasting change under the darkness for the judgment of the great day, as Sodom and Gomorrah, and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set, set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal life. Likewise, somebody say likewise. likewise Also the dreamers defile the flesh the new prostates reject authority, that's us and speak evil uh, dignations excuse me, and speak evil of the dignitaries yeah. Yet Michael the archangel in contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses dared not break him against a reviling accusation but said the Lord rebuke you but these speak evil and whatever they do not know and whatever they know naturally like brute beasts in these things they corrupt themselves they corrupt themselves in the things they don't know and these are the things that they do not naturally, they corrupt themselves. And it says, Welcome to them, for well, they have gone in the way of Cain and, and have g- ran greedily in the error of Balaam. Balaam plotted against the children of Israel on his own, for his own personal gain, encouraging sensuality and sin. And this is where the church is today, my friend. The spirit that's against the church, that's sent to corrupt the church, is not sent to curse it. And it's not coming in the form of against you, what you believe. It's coming in the form of what you will tolerate. What can we get them to tolerate? Because as we get them to tolerate it, then we can, if we, if we can get them to tolerate it, that means it, it can dwell with them. And if we can get it to dwell with them, then we know oh, we got them because now we can seduce them. See, now that, we, uh, the spirit of, of, of this against them, he knows the sin from the enemy, he knows that they're good. The seducers that he got is, is, is pros. Come on, somebody. And see, to be the pro, then you, what you got to do is not play the game. That's right. You get in the game with the pro, then you're going to lose the game, my friend. Oh. So to not play the game is to not let them dwell. That's this is where we are. That's good. So the charge today by the Spirit of the Living God is that he says, who's going to stand for the Lord? Who's going to stand for me without compromise? So we, it's, we don't have no more time to allow any of this in our dwellings, in our boat. We have to rid all of these things. We can't tolerate none of this in our life, my friends. For many of us, we've tolerated sin and knew we operated in, uh, against the will of God. And we tolerated it, why? Because we believe. And God is calling us. See, and God is one that He don't cast his pearl before the swan. So no, this not be a message that is being preached now in every congregation. But it's coming. Yes. But for you to me today. He's not asking his pearls. He, that you are at the place. That he's giving you enough. That, that, that now, he says, choose this day. Choose this day. Choose this day. Yes. Because I need all of it. All of it. When you give him all of it, it we cannot... We can fool others, and we may even be able to fool ourselves if we lie to ourselves long enough. But the one that we can't fool is God. So he said, please, I don't, I, no, I don't, the pastor don't know. Your brother don't know, no, you know. The pastor dealing with his own stuff, he ain't got time to know your stuff. That he needs to, that I'm dealing with him on the same time right now. Will you give it all to me? Yes. Every form of de- uh, deception. Every form of bitterness. Every form of lying. Uh, every form of uh, of of anger. Envy, jealousy, strife. Whatever it is, I need all of that. No, you ain't going out drinking and you ain't going out sleeping with somebody. But you, your your immorality ain't sexual, but it's one that is idolizing that 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 bitterness that's inside of you that you just keep cuddling up with, yes. and courting it like it's the thing to do, even to the form of protecting it as though it's yours wow. to protect. Jesus. Have mercy on us, oh God. Yeah. He says, I need that. I need that. Just like I needed it from the children of Israel. It ain't because I'm holding something more against you than them. No, he says, I needed it all. I needed it then. And I need it now. So there is no room for none of us to hold on to anything that is not in the way of the Lord not in the ways of the Lord. If it ain't in the ways of the Lord, and you know what it is, in your secret place that you're dealing with, that you've been holding on to, and God says, today is that day. I need it. I need it. Let us look to the Lord, Father, in the name of Jesus. Today is our day.